box. You opened it. We came. It's just a puzzle box! Oh no. It is a means to summon us. Welcome to Filmstrip's Hellraiser series. Explorers in the further regions of experience. Demons to some, angels to others. Featuring Nick. Come today. And Jay. This is it. The old homestead. These podcasts will be spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and details of the Hellraiser films. Oh, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Nick in the Space Station. <laughs> and this is our review of Hellraiser Bloodline, the fourth installment in our Hellraiser retrospective, starring Doug Bradley, Bruce Ramsey, Valentina Vargas, Tim Myers, Adam Scott, and Christine Harnett. Directed by Alan Smithy, we'll talk about it. Released in 1996 and a budget of $4 gross 9.3 in its run, and as we talked about last time, Nick, this was the end of the theatrical run for Hellraiser. It was. This was the. Uh, I don't know how many theaters this was released into. I don't think very many. <laughs> I think this was kind of like, as you stated, kind of like the kind of the downtime for horror movies and cinemas. I mean, the mid '90s. This was kind of uh, pre-Scream, wasn't it? I, well, you know, Scream came out in '96. That's the thing. And okay. so this kind of horror film, though. Scream changed the game for horror films because this came out in March of that year. Scream had come out that summer, but by that point, horror films were just in the ghetto. Like nobody was paying attention to the to slasher franchise films anymore. I mean, Freddy was dead. Jason was pretty well dead. He hadn't gone to space yet. Halloween had released part six, which is, if you've never seen it, is crazy. So, I mean, there was nowhere to go for these franchises. So the fact that the fourth Hellraiser film, you know, for lack of a better way of saying it, flopped is not a surprise. Yeah, but let's be honest about these horror movies. It wasn't necessarily that the audience just kind of like got sick of them just because of them being there. It was because a lot of them were going kind of down the toilet as far as the quality was going. I mean, oh yeah, we're 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 talking like Jason versus Carrie, and what was that like the New Blood or whatever, or you know, Freddy's got a kid or something. Yeah, there there was all of that. Yeah, you're right. Michael's got two a bunch of druids are controlling him. You're right. They all yeah, you know. Paul, Paul Rudd is fought fighting against Michael Myers. I mean, <laughs> well, it's yeah. it's when the origin story becomes so convoluted that it can no longer support itself. That's what happens. That is the. I think that is the thing. I think when these horror movies go back and they basically retcon what went on in like the first one, I think that is really the sign of the series dying. Oh, I, I, mean, I you agree. Saw, you saw that in Freddy. You saw that especially in Halloween. And you kind of seen that in this movie right now because you're going back and you're expanding upon stuff that did it really need expanding? Well, I mean, that's what we're going to talk about here because the first thing we got to talk about is the Alan Smithy bit. If you don't know, folks, that's the Directors Guild generic pseudonym for a director who no longer wants their name on a project. And Kevin Yeager, the special effects guru and husband to Heather Langenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street fame, 
directed most of this. But as he likes to tell it, he turned in four different cuts from 82 minutes to 110 minutes, and it got taken away from my studio. They brought in Joe Chappelle. Halloween fans know Joe Chappelle's name. And Friday the 13th fans, too. And he, re- <laughs> and he reshot a lot of it. So what is here is hard to discern as to whose it is. You know what I mean? And I, I, the whole thing, though, and this is what they'll all tell you, is that this was concocted to be the end. And, and everybody involved with the series will tell you they feel like the first three films are a trilogy and that this one is just sort of that interesting add-on to it, the uh, maybe unnecessary backstory, like you say. But that's how this is supposed to work. Well, it's almost like the appendices of Lord of the Rings. It's giving you a little <laughs> bit more information about what's going on. Yeah, it's 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 just I don't know maybe questions we didn't want to ask being answered, but that's exactly what this film is. But it should be noted that it it took you know four or five people to write this thing, many many drafts, and you know at least two directors. Gosh knows how many people are in the editing room. I mean, this is. Uh, a big pile right here. I mean, there's a lot of hands in on this one and you certainly can feel it. And it's another reason it took four years to put together. The studio rights kept getting swapped around and bought out, and bought out and bought out. So it took them forever to even get the thing in production. Yeah. It seems like he's kind of one of those alien three type, you know, situations. Yeah. Where it's just anything that could go wrong went wrong. Yeah. Except they didn't have anybody like Fincher running the camera. No, no offense, Kevin Yeager, but, uh, you're not David Fincher. Well, just get away. You know, instead of kind of beating around the bush here or beating around the space station, why don't we uh, <laughs> kind of get into uh, basically what we can call the first horror movie in space or first first horror movie that goes from Earth to space. I mean, <laughs> uh, oh, I, I don't even know if it, if it holds that. This one lives in a lot of places, folks, but we'll try to summarize it for you. <clears throat> in 18th century France, Philippe Lamachrand constructs a black puzzle box for a wizard. However, the box has potentially deadly consequences when it's discovered it can be used to open the gates of hell, freeing a demon that these uh, wizards try to control. Well, 200 years later, the box finds its way into the hands of John, also played by the same guy, and he's now known as Merchant, a New Yorker and architect with a a descendant of the Frenchman we met earlier, and he's being pursued by Angelique, the demon that was uh, brought forth by the puzzle box back in France. And she's causing the toy maker. And so anyway, she's going after him. And then we go 200 years forward. And another distant relative, Dr. Paul Merchant, is trying to once again release demons upon the world and build a second box that will close the gates of hell once and for all. And Angelique decides she wants no part of this uh, new austerity back in the, I guess, 90s time and intends to force Merchant to activate his what's known as the Elysium configuration to destroy hell. But it's incomplete and the attempt fails. Pinhead kills him before the wife can solve the box and force him back into hell along with Angelique. Back to 2127, a... Space Marine, I guess she is. I don't know what space cop. What is Rimmer? I guess we'll talk about her. She's got him locked Ripley. up. Yeah, he's been telling her all this this stuff. Well, the Cenobites trick all the guards into releasing them from their holding cell, and they kill everybody. And essentially, 
uh, Pinhead's getting ready to, you know, take out uh, Paul Merchant, but uh, turns out he's talking to a hologram, and Merchant turns on the Elysium configuration, which is perpetual light. Lasers and mirrors create a field, and the station transforms itself into a large puzzle box with the light trapped inside. It self-destructs, destroying the Cenobites and Pinhead once and for all. And then credits roll. So Nick, that's about as good as I can possibly sum up Hellraiser Bloodline. This thing is all over the place. Okay, so basically this is this one guy who, I gotta say, thank God he's got really good genes because he looks exactly <laughs> the same. Like, his family looks exactly the same for over 300 years. That's like, amazing. They must marry the same women. It's all I, I mean, it's, it's like the same kind of bloodline that Marty McFly has in the, in the, uh, Back to the Future films, right? Yeah, like he, they, he must like know like what women have like weak genes, so his genes can overpower them. And like, <laughs> thank God he always has males, so they can keep his last name of Merchant. <laughs> I mean, it, that, that that is fantastic. It, it is selective uh, breeding, that is for sure. So no doubt. I mean, what do you make of the fact that this thing takes place over three basic time periods? I don't mind that. I mean. We've seen stuff like this before. I mean, it want, it has ambitions, I guess, so maybe something like The Godfather Part Two. I mean, yeah, <laughs> oh, sh- sh- shame on me for bringing up a movie like that, but we've seen it work in other movies where you have, you know, different timelines kind of going back and forth, and it works very well, where this is not the case. But I, 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 I can't fault them for trying something different, you know? I mean, really, I mean, where else were they going to go? Were they going to bring, like, Pinhead back in the same way or bring back someone by feeding him blood again? I mean, we've already seen that. Can I tell you the part of this, to me, that just doesn't belong at all? It's the space-time continuum part. Like, I would have been fine if we went back to the 1600s and then we went to modern day, and it's all about the building and stuff. You You were kicking that around at the end of the last movie. Uh, is the building going to be its own puzzle box or whatever? And it kind of is. I mean, they do a little bit of that. I would have been fine if we never went into space. Like, that to me is where this thing just jumps all manner of shark. Yeah, it's kind of the game of what doesn't belong here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, and, and it even feels that way, too. Like, it, it just feels... Because let's talk about it, man. Like, the space parts of this movie are the first five minutes and the last five minutes. Like everything else is flashback to something else. I mean, there's a couple of cuts in between where he goes, oh, you don't believe me. Let me tell you more. But that's just two people sitting in a room. Yeah, it's it's very, very, very good storyteller. Very visual storyteller here. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I, I, again, I think the part of the space is the part that just doesn't work for me. But we're here, so we got to start with this. The opening scene is this guy using, I guess, like the Nintendo Power Gloves or something to get a robot that looked awfully a lot like Johnny Five out of Short Circuit to solve the box. What did you make of that? I don't know. I mean, when did Pinhead get stupid? (laughs) I just got to bring that up because in the first movie and second movie, it's all about the person who's opening the box. You know, the whether it's, you know, the desire or whatever that opened the box. It's a fucking robot. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then, you know, the robot just blows up. It's like you almost expect the robot to kind of look forward at the screen and go, 
Oh, well, it does. That's the thing. It cocks its head and goes, and then boom. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted change to rip it apart. Well, I mean, cute. it, it, it kind of looked like the uh, one of the, the, the robots in Jabba's palace, you know? <laughs> well, I'm with you, though. When did this you know franchise just get really stupid? Because even back in like part two, when they had the you know special kids solving the puzzle boxes, even Pinhead knew then, like, what did he say? He's like, these people didn't call us. This is not who called us. Like, even he knew then that that was bogus. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you. When did they just get all get incredibly dumb? Because they are. I mean, the, the people in this movie are stupid. I'm glad to see, like, his powers are, like, outside of Earth, though. I mean, it's like... Maybe in outer space, you know, maybe like, you know, if the box lands on like another planet and an alien messes around with it, then he can pop up there and do it there. I mean, he's basically can, you know, be anywhere except for in the spaceship. Yeah, which is amazing. Well, you know, there's lots of reasons he's not in that spaceship. But, you know, I'm thinking like he could be like, you know what I was flashing back to? I felt like I was watching Leprechaun 4 in space again. Because that movie, the premise of it is like, you don't know how he gets in space. He just does. And you just go with it. That it's it's incredibly dumb, though. Like this movie is so stupid. And it doesn't have to be. That's the problem that I'm bumping into with it, Nick, is this movie actually could have worked. If they had put a little brain to it, but they just force all this other crap on it that makes it very hard to watch. I mean, the whole thing of like almost like having people like in the know bringing Pinhead into Earth, you know, bringing them there just to destroy him with the plan. I mean, you could make that work. It doesn't have to be set in space. I don't know why they are setting it in space. I mean, you almost kind of saw it within, you know, Jason goes to hell. I mean, they they figured out Jason's mo and what did they do in the beginning of the movie? They used it against him, right? And they could have done something very similar where it was like you know maybe it was like in some type of you know prison type setup or something where they're going to try to bring him out or something like that. Almost kind of like in part two where you know they have like using the box and like you know just like I said someone in the know and somehow you know trying to bring him there so they could maybe learn how to destroy him or somehow study him or something like that yeah it, but it, it, it doesn't have to be in space there's no reason for it to be in space it doesn't add anything in fact all it does is take away stuff because it's just so cheesy the sets are straight out of critters four. Oh yeah and oh. i mean and it's just like the acting is so bad in this movie. I thought Joey was bad in Critters, not Critters, in part three. But it's like, it's just got worse here, especially this main character. I mean, we, we can go all the way back to when they're in France, I believe, right? It's France? Mm-hmm. Yeah. France. Yeah, I mean, man, he starts off with like a little bit of an accent and he drops that ha- accent halfway through. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Adam Scott in this doesn't even try to have an accent. That's the thing that kills me is you've got people dressed up in this ridiculous garb. And they don't even try to have the accent. Like, if you're going to do part of this as period piece, at least at least get people that can do the accent. Like, you got to oh. at least go for that kind of detail. I, of all the things that they paid attention to in this, I can't believe they wouldn't even bother with that. But it is, oh, it's noticeably. Well, the, the was it LaSalle guy or whatever his name is, the Dustadel or whatever his name is. Um, the Duke, yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, my God, did you get a Bram Stoker's Dracula vibe? Oh, man, so much. Yes, he was doing a bad Gary Oldman ripoff, like very bad in that. Same was- hair, the makeup, the little mole on his face and stuff. I mean, it was just yeah. like... Their setup is that they're trying to summon a demon, him and his uh, friend. I don't know what Jacques is, but anyway... It's, it's, it's his lover. Well, but 
he gets it on with Angelique for centuries, but we'll we'll get to that in a second. But they're like summoning a demon because the rule is if you summon the demon, you control the demon unless you stand in the way of hell. In other words, unless you get in in the way of what the demon does, then other than that, you control the demon. That's the whole point, right? That doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, why why do they want a demon? What are they going to do with the demon? And as we find out, they do nothing. That you know, Jock and the demon kill who has inhabited this uh, peasant girl that they brought there. They kill the old wizard guy, and then they basically just live for the next 400 years. <laughs> Doing what? Whatever they want, I guess. Well, from what I read, I mean, I did kind of read some stuff about like the previous things. I guess what they wanted was her to be kind of like their sex slave. I guess. But yeah, that's that's why they brought her into a human female form. They couldn't have just picked up a poor girl, fed her, and wined her and dined her. <laughs> I mean, that peasant girl didn't have anything going for her, man. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess if we're going to be kind of like misogynistic here, I mean, it's the same girl over and over and over again, man. Just get married if that's the case. I mean. Well, it's, it's <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. It, it just seemed kind of... Again, that's weird because the whole setup here. I mean, that we're talking about the side of it. The the story is the bloodline, right? This the uh, merchant bloodline of these puzzle box makers. You know, I talked about last time. Like, are they setting the box up with its own powers and stuff? Well, the answer to that is yes, but they do it very, very badly. Like, this is not at all what I envisioned when I thought of that. I kind of like what they're trying to do here, where they're trying to give the thing a little bit of a backstory. And I kind of like it that it's like a toy maker that made this and that like someone took like a toy, you know, something meant for a child Mm -hmm. and turned it into such a perverse, you know, satanic object. And that's kind of a cool little thing here. And, and I, I don't mind. It's like, you know, they get it and like, you know, they use it for like a satanic ritual and, you know, maybe it gives that ritual gave the box power and stuff. I mean, that's kind of what I took from it and that, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like all over the place. And as much as they're they're trying to explain stuff, they're just making it more confusing by the more they explain it. Yeah, this is what we talked about before, right? When the origin story, the backstory, whatever, becomes so convoluted that it just can't support its own weight anymore, right? Like this, I felt like last time was a pretty decent exploration of if they want to go with unnecessary backstory, the Spencer Cenobite, backstory that that worked on a lot of levels for me i mean everything else was just fodder but it was fine you know this though it's it's the right idea done completely wrong you know we we need to not tell the pinhead story right but so we want to tell the puzzle box story, well, no, it's, but, it's the angelique story well it's the angelique story but then you've got the studio going where the hell's pinhead in this movie and they forced pinhead in there i mean you talk about just shoved on the screen does he even need to be a part of this? I was fine if it was just Angelique. I was cool with her. You're going to need him in here. I mean, it's Hellraiser. I mean, that's almost like saying you're going to have Freddy without Freddy at this point. I mean, Well, I, you know, they did that. They, Well, no, they didn't do Freddy without Freddy. Well, yeah, they did. Well, they, they, did, did well, they did New Nightmare. That was Freddy without Freddy. Yeah, and it sucked. And they did you know, <laughs> Jason 5 without really Jason, and that movie sucked. And then they did, you know, Halloween without Michael Myers, you know, part three, and that sucked. I mean, uh, Halloween 3 the, is, is, a, is a very good film. We'll have that discussion another day. But, but it sucks, it, Jay. <laughs> it, is, it is not a Michael Myers film. But the point being here is I, I disagree with you on one thing. I don't think you had to have Pinhead as a central part of the story. They wanted him in the story. He was written into it. 
He just was going to show up later. I would have been fine if he showed up later, kind of like he did in the first one. He was only in a few scenes. I would have been okay if they peppered the pinhead in there for me. I was cool to follow this Angelique chick and what she was doing. And if I was going to have to learn about this guy's family or whatever, okay. At least it was humorous enough that I could laugh at the fact that they all look the same to the generations, like you say. But I, I don't know. I, um, I was okay with that. But now the problem is they don't stick on any of that. Like, it's all about Angelique has got to get to the toy maker. And she just happens to read the French version of the American magazine where he's featured for the building he built. We find out he designed and built the building from the end of the last movie. I just like to, you know, they're just, they're, they're hanging out, you know, for all <laughs> these years. And how is the other guy still alive? Yeah, I wanted to know that, too, because when she decides she's done with him because he tells her she can't go to America and then she you know, cuts him up because you stood in hell's way. I'm like, well, how's he still here anyway? Like, I guess we're just supposed to buy that, you know, if he's that good at dark magic, he can figure out how to stay looking the same for all these. I thought he was like a vampire or something. They were doing like an interview with the vampire thing. Well, I mean, what, what is standing in hell's way? I mean. Is she just like the embodiment of hell, so then you can't stand in her way? Then you really can't control her then. That's what I'm saying. It's almost like it's a contradiction in what they're saying. I mean, and this is the first time he got in hell's way. I mean, what if she had to go to the bathroom? And he's like, you can't go to the bathroom right now while you're standing in hell's way. You're going to die. I think that's the point. I think you've hit it right there is that, you know, the, the wizards say, oh, well, you know, we can control this demon because... We are, you know, we've summoned it, but the demon knows, well, no, you really can't. And, and so that's why it dispatches with you quickly. It's that whole idea of like, you make the deal with the devil. You can't reverse on that deal. You know, it's never going to work out for you. So I, I don't know. I, I was okay with that conceit. I mean, I didn't know why the guy survived anyway. I would have been fine if we just went to the you know apartment and she was still living in their castle or something. Like, why did they need to both be alive that long? I have no idea. Because, I mean, the film skips inexplicably to modern day and doesn't tell us why. I mean, so nothing happened for 400 years. None of his puzzle-making bloodline got into it again with these people. You know, Angelique was hanging out with her guy, and then Merchant was making toys. I mean, they they were getting on... They, they, they didn't have to fight yet. I mean, See, that, that's the thing. If, if we're going to have these centuries long blood, some Hatfield McCoy style, I, I want to know how, you know, every generation has done this battle and it's come down to this at 2127. Like, wouldn't that be more satisfying? I know that it would be impossible to try to film that on a limited budget like this, but wouldn't that be better than what we got? Well, why don't they just play like the, you know the the sins of the father type thing, where like every generation is having to deal with this, and every generation is killed? Don't they kind of do that? Say that? I mean, that whole bit about like you, you've always been called to this. Like he dreams of Angelique, and when she finally you know goes up to him and starts coming on to him, she tells him straight up, "I know you dream of me." That's the, that's the first sign to get out of Dodge, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, probably so. If if girls from your dr- random girls who are eating blood or drinking blood in your dreams suddenly show up at your award function or whatever, it's time to go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I would have liked it though if it would have been like this like generational thing where it's like you know every generation like you know the person somehow gets killed by it because he's trying to stop it. You know he's trying to like you know hey my you know great 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 grandfather created this box and you know it's 
so one of us has got it. You know, we created it. We got to destroy it. And it's almost like, you know, every every generation, the father gets killed and then the son takes up the legacy or something. I mean, they could have done something like that. I mean, you know what that sounds like? That sounds like an episode of Friday the 13th, the series. That's what this feels like. And I'm going to say this, too. This movie looks dead cheap. I mean, compared to the last one, which had all that Hollywood sheen on it. Man, four years. What a difference it makes. This looks TV movie of the week. Well, anyways, well, we get the present day and, you know, we get we get Pinhead get reintroduced, you know, Angelique's there and everything like that. And whoever knew Pinhead was like a child kidnapper. Did you ever know that? Oh, OK. Yeah, you're getting into to what is supposed to be the big climax of that era of the film. But, yeah, when did Pinhead have an agenda other than hell on Earth? That's what I don't understand. Like he decides I'm going to face off with the toy maker. So the only way I can really get his attention is I'm going to go kidnap his kid. Huh? Yeah. That doesn't strike me as, you know, very pinhead. Pin- yeah. Pinhead would kill his kid or pinhead would turn his kid into a Cenobite or something like that. I right. mean, that whole conceit just seems ah, very forced. That's the word I'm. Well, oh, everything in here too. I mean, you got, you got pinhead who, you know, Angelique, you know, comes back, you know, he meets Angelique and he, they have obviously have a relationship together, even though she hasn't been in hell since the 1800s. And from what we saw in 1600s and then uh, from what we saw, Pinhead was created in 1920. Well, OK, that's that's another point. I wanted to ask you about that, because Elliot Spencer was taken over by the lament configuration in the 20s. Right. But he said in the last film that the evil of Pinhead and him were separate entities. So I kind of took the idea that Pinhead had existed for eons and that he just latched on or got latched on to Spencer when he opened up the box. Could be. I don't know. It's very vague. <laughs> well, it is. And I, I'm giving the movie a lot of help there, granted. I, I, you know, But I do think that's what they're going for here, is that, and that he had been around a long time. I actually didn't have a problem with that. What I had a problem with is that he keeps calling her princess, and they never friggin' explain what he's talking about. Well, I always took it at like she's the princess of hell and he's the prince of hell or something, you know. Yeah, but that's not the hell we saw in the second movie. See, that again, we betray everything that we've already set up. Like, that was a cool world they had last time. They didn't need to add layers to that. That was fine the way it was. Like, he didn't hold any special title or place and neither did she. Like, that is just lame to me. That's, that is creating retconning stuff that is completely unnecessary. Well, aren't these what these movies do? <laughs> well, yeah, they can, or they can do like, if the world is so big, look, this is the problem with, you mentioned it last time, Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy, you know, gets a kid and then we get so caught up in Freddy's bloodline that it's too, it's too much about him. When you've got a dream demon, good grief, he could be in any place. It doesn't have to be about the house or any of this other crap. And that's the same thing with this. Can't we just find some more, you know, Franks out there that want to want to party on the wild side a little bit? And I don't know. I mean, I I didn't need to know Pinhead's uh, legacy with this princess in hell and stuff like that. Doesn't it's not an interesting story to tell even. And and if the story's supposed to be about the box, well, they're doing a really bad job of it. Here's the thing, you know, like you know, Merchant, his whole thing throughout this movie is destroying Pinhead. You don't have to destroy Pinhead. You just don't have to let him out. You know what I'm saying? He only comes when you call him. Yeah, that's the funny thing. He 
he creates this Elysium configuration, which we are to believe the vision for came from you know the 1600s in France, and it's taken all these years to finally build something that could do it. That 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 is the uh, counteract to the big evil that the the box was. That's what it's supposed to be. But to make all that work, he has to solve the puzzle box in space. So this is his fault. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it doesn't make much sense. And, you know, we didn't really talk much about the Cenobites in here. We got a couple new ones now. I mean, Angelique, and you know, she gets transformed into a Cenobite when she goes back into hell after, you know, her and Pinhead are, you know, sent back during present time after Merchant dies. Pretty cool uh, little hook thing that we threw through his neck. I like oh, that. Oh, I, I did think that was cool. The way the way Merchant got taken out, that's probably the best death that I've seen in two films. I, I was way better than anything that, that last time. I, I was down for that. Yeah, that was definitely cool. <sighs> um, yeah, but... I mean, let's we talk about the Cenobites. I mean, you got the, the Siamese twins guys. I mean, freaking useless those guys are. Oh God, that I whole mean, scene with them walking at the two the twin brothers as the uh, what are they the the security guards? Oh, that that lasted forever. And then they came back. That's what killed me. So, yeah. And and what did they come back for? The, the last scene of them and Angelique is they kill some you know random space cop or whatever that's supposed to be, and then we never see them again. Like, they're not in the last seven minutes of this film. I guess we're supposed to know they died at the end of this, but I didn't see them. Did you? They're about a waste of a character. Yeah, and again, they, they didn't call Pinhead. Why did they get transformed? What did they do? Two-thirds of this movie is about Angelique, and then at the end of it, she's just sort of shoved off to the side so we can have the Pinhead Merchant Showdown, which is really, really lame. Like, I, I wanted her to be a part of that, like, She's so picked at him anyway. Like you can tell, she doesn't have the same respect for him that maybe he does for her or whatever. Why didn't she come back and help Merchant put them all back into hell or something like that? Wouldn't that have made more sense? It would have. It would have made more sense. I mean, and we got to talk about this too. I mean, there's a freaking dog centibite in this movie. <laughs> a dog centibite. Are you telling me that a dog opened the box? Or that somebody with their dog opened the box and Pinhead turned it into. Why does Pinhead need the you know the the Cenobite version of the dog from Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock? Because that's what that looked like. Yeah, it was like a combination of that and Chatterer from Part One. I mean, I, I always like the che- the teeth chattering thing, but it just it was kind of stupid. It's like, oh, now 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 he's got a dog. You know, you can't you can't dislike a guy who's got a dog. I didn't notice that, but you're right. The dog's teeth chatter like the chatterer. That is weird. Is that supposed to be the replacement for him? I guess. Maybe brought him back as a dog. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> going to go on the conclusion that there was a dog and that the dog opened the box. <laughs> That's what I'm going to have. Like, the dog was, like, just kind of sick of its life. It's boring. You know, it's just rolling well, over all day and stuff like that. And it grabbed the box. And you can just imagine, like, they could have done, like, a scene with, like, you know, two fake paws and, like, it, like, kind of rubbing the top. <laughs> transforming the whole thing and all suddenly like you know the chains open up and you can have the dog like the robot kind of turn his head and go and then also like you know the dog explodes or something well, that, that, that'd be cool that'd be that'd be a redeeming scene for the movie if, the, if, that, if that scene was in the movie it'd be a large popcorn <laughs> i don't think there's anything to make this a large popcorn man <laughs> no a, a, a dog opening the puzzle box <laughs> well it, it would have made more sense than anything else that's happened or as much that's happened because that's the problem with me is that 
again, we've introduced this really cool new character that I'm liking. I'm enjoying the Angelique person. She's got a lot of personality. Say what you will about Doug Bradley. I, you know, I, I really didn't care if he was in this or not. I'll be honest with you. He seemed to be mailing it in pretty much. And so I, I wasn't down for it. This woman is going all out for this. And I think she knows she's in a bad horror movie and she's just doing it anyway. And I dug it. I liked her. And I hated the fact that she's essentially shoved to the side at the end of the 90s time when, you know, Merchant gets his head cut off and she gets dragged into the puzzle box along with Pinhead. I really, really hated that. Oh, yeah. I mean, she's kind of like Pinhead's equal throughout the movie. So it's kind of cool seeing her in this movie. I mean, it's it's a change of pace Mm -hmm. having her in there. So it's a welcome addition to the movie. It's something different, that's for sure. But as we know, that's not how it goes. And so we go back to the beginning or the end or whatever, to the, the future again. And It's the Smashing believe, Pumpkin song. The end is the beginning is the end. Can you believe that this guy has convinced this uh, space cop woman that all of this is true? Like, she's been so skeptical up until the very end. And she's like, what can I do to help you? It's like he's charmed her or something. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it would have been better if you would have gave her a little toy. <laughs> something to play with yeah, yeah I've, oh you gave me a gift so i believe you talk about pinhead being stupid though at the end of this he gets fooled by the guy's hologram that's what i'm gonna say come on you know like like he can't sense that's not real yeah he can sense that the kids in the mental hospital aren't the ones that really i mean they may have solved the box but they don't really want them there but he can't tell that this guy's hologram is exactly that and not him see again it would have been a large popcorn movie if you would have realized that, if you would have looked at the camera, tilted his head and go, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is just so forced. And Okay, we got to talk about the end because the space station turns into a big box. That's the end of this. Kind of like, kind of like space balls when the space station becomes a vacuum cleaner or whatever. I mean, that's what it looked like. Oh, it is. It was just, it was ridiculous. It's like, did this guy build it? Did he build it by hand? Did he, did he, like, you know, maybe, like, you know, he's flying back down to Earth and, like, I need, you know, 25 more 100-foot sheets of... There, they drop a line in there that, like, they take one of the company's most useful satellites and totally move it out of orbit or something like that. So he apparently steals his own creation because he's created it just for this purpose. Because one day he was going to be able to, to make this configuration work and it would you know, forever destroy the Cenobites. Well, it looked like to me you had 200 years of your ancestors had locked him in the box. Why didn't you just, you know, keep the box in a lead safe and pass it down generation to generation going, if you open this, I will personally kill you. How about this? How about this? You're in fucking outer space. (laughs) Okay. We're going to put this damn thing on Venus. Okay. (laughs) Or you know what we're going to do? We're going to chuck it into the flipping sun. There you go. It's done. It's over. You know, there you go. As I said, as I said so they're making a problem out of you know something that is so easy to solve. I mean, yeah. Pen it only comes if you call them. I mean, it's just like you know, you don't want the cops coming to your house. Don't dial nine one one. Okay, you dial nine one one, they come to your house. Don't dial nine one one, they won't show up. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, but plus you're in outer space. Just throw the fucking thing in space. You know. I think you've hit it there, is they're creating a problem out of something that isn't one. And it's it's all forced, and that's the problem. But we do get the ending here, and I, I got to tell you, 
I thought it was lame. I really didn't think it was it looked good at all, and it, it was just dumb, right? Like this can, perpetual light destroys the perpetual darkness. When did that become a rule? I don't know. I think a better scene would have been if they would have copied aliens and like also like the the hatch gets opened up and Pinhead gets like sucked out and you see him like kind of screaming like the Queen Alien, <laughs> you know, like his like leg kind of going back and forth like that, screaming, and then you know it just. Pinhead's flying through space. You know? Would have been better than what we got. But yeah, but what's even worse is that the explosion happens. We see Merchant and the one cop lady, Rimmer, fly off, and that's it. Credit. Like nothing else. Not a coda, nothing. Yeah, I didn't. Did you want anything? I would have loved it if they'd bothered to try to explain anything of what happened. Like, I'm only, I only know what happened because I wrote it in a plot summary and, you know, we talked about it. I don't, I, I only know what happens because you read the plot summary. <laughs> I watched it and had absolutely no reaction to it at all, negative or otherwise. I was just kind of done with it. I, I thought, well, I'm glad that wasn't any longer. I think we're at the point of the podcast where we're going to do something really obvious, give our thoughts. Recommendations of popcorn ratings. Nick, what are yours for Hellraiser Bloodline? Small popcorn. I'm just going to cut to the chase. I mean, this movie's very, very, very bad. It's It's got some decent ideas in it, but the execution is just terrible. I mean, the stuff in space, as you said earlier, did not need to be there. They could have done it. They could have modernized it, maybe put it in a little bit in the future, but putting it in like the year 2150 – it's just dumb for many reasons, and especially because of the budget. I mean, you're going to put something so futuristic, and you've got the budget basically to, you know, maybe buy everybody a new pair of freaking, you know, shoes. I mean, there's 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 not much money for this movie, and yet they're trying to have all these, like, giant ambitions. And then with the ambitions, the script's not very good. I mean, I know Clive Barker kind of came back for this movie, and he wanted to put, like, kind of a stamp on it and kind of end it. Then I don't know, man. It's like... Clive Barker, what the hell has he done? I mean, he's done Hellraiser. He did, was it Nightbreed? Is that the other one that he did? And I think he's basically been gone. <laughs> and this is kind of one of the reasons for it. I think, you know, maybe he is a one-trick pony or so. You know, he has, like, maybe a couple good ideas, and that's about it. So, I don't know. I'm just going to give it a small popcorn. It's... It's a bad movie, and I really hope this is as bad as it gets, but I got a feeling this is probably one of the better ones we're going to be seeing. Oh, I, I hope you're wrong about that, too. I'm with you, man. This is small popcorn all the way, and the, the problem is there's actually something here. Buried in all of this is a really interesting idea for the film, and it's in the idea that the box takes over the building. That, now, that would have cost a lot of money to make, but that would have been cool. And, and what Pinhead wants, the building to be a bigger gateway to hell so he doesn't have to wait to be called anymore, stuff like that. I, I was cool for that. That's only about 15 minutes of this film. And I, other than that, um, they didn't know what they had here. And I don't think they knew what they had in the Angelique character. I think if they had known or thought anything about it, they'd have made it a lot more about her and maybe Pinhead fighting and we're caught in the middle versus – you know, this bloodline business, because this is just ridiculous. And my question now is, because this is the last one that's in, quote, chronology, 
or whatever, where do the rest of these go? Do they have to acknowledge this bloodline? Is that going to be part of it? we got five more of these, Nick, and I have no idea what is coming. Ignore, ignore, ignore. I think that's what they're going to do. <laughs> I would hope that they would. But yeah, this is small popcorn and not worth your time, folks. I, and that's sad to say because I'm going to tell you, those first two films, if you're a horror fan, you hadn't seen those, hey, you got to see those. Those are cool. And they're they're old and, and cheesy, but they, there's some cool stuff going on there. There's a vision there. The third one is just fun, can just be fun, but this one is awful. So no, and and I'm gonna say it now. Never have I gone into space with a franchise that didn't start out in space and it gone well. It's I never Leprechaun, Critters, now this. I don't know that there is an in space that will ever work for me. So if you think, if you can think of it, folks, leave it in our on our facebook page hit me up on twitter with it let me know so folks you can find more episodes like this one in our in the archive section of our website continuousplaypodcast.com slash movies and like i said you can catch up with us on facebook twitter there or leave us a review on itunes so join us next time when we come back and it's time to go to the direct-to-video sequels nick have you ever seen any of those uh, I have not seen any of those. I've seen bits and pieces, but I have not. All right, well, Hellraiser Inferno is the next one. I have no idea what that's about. I can't wait to queue it up on Netflix and see what happens. So, until next time, for Nick, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Visit our website, continuousplaypodcast.com, for more reviews and episodes. Now you must come with us. Taste our pleasures. All content used or discussed in this podcast are the property of their respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act Section 504C2, Title 17. 